Back in the summer of 2020, I wrote this pandemic-inspired novella as a freebie for my newsletter subscribers. Over the past couple of years, as I've gotten more invested in audio production, this story continued to creep around in the recesses of my mind. It spoke to me over and over, and what it said was, You aren't done with me yet. So, dear readers and dear listeners, I present to you Disciples of Nergal in its newest and spookiest form. The all-new original music was provided by Shadow Lurker. The man behind the name has been my best friend since sophomore year of high school, and it's so awesome to still be creating content with him. He also created the Into the Gloom podcast music. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy the show. As a gift to all of you that buy my books and audiobooks, listen to my podcast, and leave reviews, I'm keeping this narration experience free. Share it if you like it, leave a Goodreads review once you finish, and most importantly, please remember to leave a light on. Chapter 1 A year ago, I would have said that possession is something only seen in the movies. I know better now, and I've got the scars to prove it. Supernatural forces are a reality I can no longer deny. The coronavirus pandemic changed a lot of things, but it's nothing compared to the horrors I experienced a few months ago in that godforsaken church. Before we go any further, I feel I need to get a few things out of the way for some context. I am not overtly religious, but I still consider myself a Christian. To be honest, this is a huge surprise after everything I've seen done by professed Christians. Add in the nightmare my crazy fundamentalist uncle put our family through, it's a wonder I believe in God at all. I may get into that later. That's still undecided, as it's so painful to rehash. As I mentioned before, I'm not very religious. And what I mean by that is I don't regularly attend church services on Wednesday evenings or Sunday mornings. That being said, I was faithfully in synagogue each Saturday morning when I went through my Messianic Jewish phase. And that was all wrapped up in guilty feelings, fear, and law theology that I'd rather not get into now. The way I see it, there's a load of difference between being religious and being spiritual. My dad basically has the opposite experience as me. He is highly religious, attending church services and events on a consistent and weekly basis. But when it comes to the teachings of Jesus, he falls flat. He's judgmental, rude, and selfish. Now, before you get all judgmental, let me share a memory to help put my statement into context. This is one such story of many. A couple of years ago, I went with my dad to the grocery store. We were planning a small get-together, a barbecue in the backyard, and he wanted to buy a case of beer to supplement the liquor we already had in the garage freezer. We arrived at the grocery store, my dad speeding the entire way, and went inside. Walking through the entrance, we were hit with a wall of cool air that was invigorating 
after walking through the hot mugginess that characterizes an Alabama summer. The inside of the store was bright and pristine. Thousands of colorful products and advertisements fought for each shopper's attention. But my dad was unfazed, having a one-track mind set on beer, and beer alone. A decrepit old lady was walking out of the aisle we were headed to, and I slowed to let her pass. But my dad turned sideways and pushed past her, almost knocking her to the ground. Let me help you, I said, reaching my hand out to steady her by the shoulder. An interesting combination of mothball and rose petal wafted into my nostrils. The smell was so strong it was almost offensive. Oh my, she croaked while adjusting her glasses. Thank you, dear. Gaining her balance, she scooted toward the ten items or less checkout line. I caught up to my dad, who was then surveying the beer collection with deep concentration on his face. What the hell, dad? I said. You almost knocked that little old lady down. He continued staring at the wall of cold beverages and lifted a hand to his mouth, eyebrows furrowed. I don't have time to wait for dying people to get out of my way, he said in his usual slow country drawl. We've got a lot to get done before people start arriving tonight. Are you thinking cans or bottles? I don't care. That was kind of a dick move. Will you get off my back? He said, finally turning his gaze to me. You're starting to sound like your mother. Whatever. I'll drop it, I said, rolling my eyes. He loved my mom, but the way he talked about her peeved me sometimes. Thank you kindly. I wonder if we should have went to the liquor store instead. His mind back on its one-track path. They've got that walk-in beer fridge at Marty's on 10th. A smile spread across his face, as if in a daydream. I bit down on my tongue, knowing that pushing the issue would only start an argument. Winning an argument with my dad was impossible, as he always had to have the last word. Not to mention his inability to take responsibility for anything he ever did wrong. He settled on beer, a 12-pack of both cans and bottles, and walked past me toward the checkout line. The little old lady was pulling out her purse to pay in the quick lane and my dad veered himself her way. Two other registers were open, but there were families in both, with carts piled high. One of them had four small children hanging off the sides, flopping around like bacon in a hot pan. Their mother looked worn out and defeated. Her hair was haphazardly folded into a sloppy, uncentered bun, and her face was free from any makeup. Her too big sweatpants drooped down, revealing the bright purple of her underwear. She absentmindedly flipped the pages of a celebrity magazine as her kids made enough noise to wake the dead. The old lady in front of us continued to dig through her purse. Looks like your friend is just about to leave, my dad sneered over his shoulder. I rolled my eyes again. It was a common occurrence when we were together. I love my dad, don't get me wrong, but he drives me batshit crazy most of the time. His behavior was selfish, and I doubted whether he even knew the meaning of the word sympathy. 
and he was always in a rush. It stressed me out, made me anxious. I wondered if slow was a concept he was even aware existed. Real funny, Dad. We entered the line, and he hoisted the beer cases onto the conveyor belt. They slowly edged down toward the cashier, bottles rattling as they came to a stop. Oh, dear, the old lady said. I seem to have left my cash at home. She put a wrinkled hand to her face and shook her head back and forth as if not knowing what to do with herself. I leaned over toward my dad and quietly said, Why don't you pay for her stuff? We'll get out of here quicker. No, screw that. It's not my fault she's too old to remember her wallet. I rolled my eyes for the third time since we'd entered the store. I sighed and stepped past my dad. Ma'am, I said, pulling my own wallet out. I can take care of this for you. Oh, that is so sweet of you, she said, beaming. Her words whistled through her thin lips. You've come to my rescue twice now. Bless your heart. I paid the cashier. The old lady thanked me, and then she headed out of the store. My dad shouted after her, and I cringed. Hopefully you don't forget where you parked. Luckily, the lady never turned around either not hearing him or choosing to ignore his snide remark. All right, Dad, let's hurry up and get you home so you can stop being a menace to society. I smirked and looked at the cashier, but she just scowled at my dad. She took her sweet time ringing up the beer, probably trying to annoy him after his rude outburst. She asked to see his state ID. He flipped his wallet toward her. But then she stated that he needed to take the ID out and hand it to her. Sighing in dramatic fashion, he did as she requested. Having paid for the beer, receipt in hand, my dad rushed toward the exit. I sulked after him, embarrassed to be associated with him in public. The cool oasis of the store was ripped violently away as the scorching summer sun hit my body. I slipped on my sunglasses and looked over at our car. My dad did the same. Shit, come on, he said, picking up his pace. We can make it out of here before we get stuck behind that old geezer again. The elderly lady had just sat down in the driver's seat of her tank of a car and closed the door. She had parked right next to us. Reaching our vehicle, my dad tossed the beer cases into the back seat. The bottles jostled so loudly that I thought God must have given us a miracle to keep them from shattering. I opened the passenger door and got in, but we were too late. The little old lady started creeping her car backward while straining her eyes at the side view mirror. Oh, no you don't, my dad yelled while jamming his key into the ignition. He put the car in reverse and pressed the gas pedal down hard enough to make the tires squeal. The little old lady jumped in her seat as my dad cackled with laughter. Have a nice day, he screamed this last bit through his window, which was still cracked to keep the car from becoming an oven while we were inside the store. I know that this might seem like an extreme example, and maybe it is, but this type of behavior was a pretty common occurrence with my dad, and would you believe he was in church that Sunday? I'm not saying that he would constantly go out of his way to accost little old ladies, but the principle of the matter is that he was selfish and rude. 
Seeing as he was a self-professed religious man, his behavior left a lot to be desired. I tell you all of this to illustrate the massive and haunting changes that overtook my dad during the next few months.